When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Draft season is here, and our insiders are ready to break it down. Player spotlights, draft day trades, team-by-team grades, and the biggest winners and losers from the weekend. It's time for Baldy's Breakdowns with Brian Baldinger and Jason LaCanfora. Welcome to the Day 2 edition of Odyssey's 2022 Draft Special. We come to you often in this space as part of Baldy's Breakdowns, and we are the same duo that uh, gets you guys through the season and the offseason at Baldy's Breakdowns. I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. I am joined, as always, by Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL on Twitter, and we are all collecting our thoughts And looking back on what was a wild first round of the draft that leaves plenty of quality players on the board heading into day two. And Baldy, this is going to be a a, a night of drafting that's memorable for a lot of things. All defense in the top five picks. Both New York football teams having seemingly their best day in a long, long time on field or off. Just one quarterback going. The Jermaine Johnson fall, which resulted in him going to the Jets to further buttress, again, what we think could turn out to be a historic day for them. Um, The early run on wide receivers, a bevy of trades, uh, nine teams with multiple picks in the first round. That's a first uh, since 1967. A lot of historic things uh, on a night of constant activity. Oh, yeah, and two of the better receivers in the league were traded also. (laughs) It, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, just, it's, it's perfect primetime television. Uh, you have to watch. It, it's a big show. Vegas was a great backdrop. Yeah. There was a lot of, of just a flurry of activity. Uh, you know, if the quarterbacks can't drive a draft, then let the New York media market drive a draft. <laughs> there you go. Right, Jason? Yes. Like, let, the, let, let these sad, sorry New York teams have a chance here. That's what the draft has always been about. And so you can't help but – I know Joe Douglas is extremely excited in New yes. York, the way things fell. I'm sure Joe Shane uh, in New York with the Giants and Brian Dable are feeling very good about two day one starters to upgrade their, you know, the, the trenches. Um, you know, there was – you know, the, the at the very top, it was uh, Traylon Walker and uh, – Trayvon Walker, and a lot of people thought, like, how could you pass on Aiden Hutchinson? But – you know, people are looking at the upside and the measurables probably more than they ever have. And so that kind of drove that. And then, you know, once Drake London went to Atlanta at eight, like they just came off the board one after another, you know. And then while that was going on, we have this, you know, we've got this new happening in the NFL where teams have to make these critical decisions on these receivers. Are they going to pay them north of $20 million a year you know, to catch maybe 80 balls, or are they going to let them go and go back to the draft? Because we've seen 
that the draft is full of them every year right now. Yes. And are you better off just kind of restarting the way Kansas City, the way Tennessee has to? Like, these teams are just saying, all right, we know we've given up on a proven player, but we can build our team in a different way, and we'll just go find another one right now. And I feel like this is a real shift Yes, this offseason with the way teams are building. Yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating study. And as much as this offseason has been all about quarterbacks and wide receivers, the bon, the, the Boffo trades, the record-setting extensions, um, people completely sort of resetting the market, defense, 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 all, the, all defense in the top five, which I guess makes sense because if you're making all these power moves, some teams for quarterbacks and receivers, somebody's got to be able to get to the quarterback and somebody's got to be able to cover those guys. And that's what you we saw at the team. top of the draft. I mean, you just literally build your team on the edges. Get to the quarterback and keep the ball in the end zone. And that's kind of what they're going to ask Stingley to do in Houston and Sauce in New York and, you know, what Jacksonville and Detroit and the Jets are trying to do, uh, you know, or the Giants are trying to do off the edge right now, trying to uh, trying to get to the quarterback. And that's that's kind of the game, you know, the, the linebackers, defensive tackles, safeties, they're, they're kind of second-class citizens the way defenses are being constructed yeah. right now. And you can understand why. I mean, quarterbacks, you know, have never gotten rid of the ball quicker than they have right now. Uh, you need speed on the field, and you need guys to be able to cover for, you know, two and a half seconds. And so that's kind of where the game is. Tom Brady threw the ball 17, 717 times last year. The ball's in the air. Uh, Buffalo lined up four wide receivers more than anybody else in this league um, during the season. So that's that's where the game is. It's, it's, it's on the edges right now. You touched on it. Uh... At the onset, the Giants and the Jets, Baldy, like they didn't do anything remarkable. It's not like somebody made some ridiculous uh, trade at the top of the draft or, or did anything. It's just sometimes things kind of fall in a way that it's a combination of great player and need and key position. Uh, but it's been a long time since you've seen the front offices there lauded frankly, the way me and you and most people who pay attention to this stuff are lauding them right now? Well, I, you know, there's, a, there's an, a new regime with the Giants, and we all thought that they needed to kind of blow it all out. And they did. And, you know, they, they've seemed like they've got real good, solid football people in place at the head coach and, yep. you know, kind of running the organization and what Joe Shane looks like, sounds like, acts like especially in comparison to what they have had yes, sir. Uh, there over the last few years. So, like, I felt like they, you know, you could have, we kind of had the two positions with the Giants figured out going through this whole mock draft period. We just didn't know they'd go Ed Drusher first, tackle second. But right. we, we figured those were the two positions uh, that they would address, especially when the two top corners left early, you know, before the Giants picked, where you could go, okay, we can see, you know, and so then if you look at the Jets, you think about it, like Sauce was their number one corner. Yep. But, you know, Houston taking Stingley, which was a mild surprise. Yep. People recognize the talent, but last two years have not been. Not signed. played a lot of football. So miss a lot. So by Houston taking Stingley, Sauce falls to the Jets. You know, and then when the Falcons took Drake London, who the Jets liked. Oh, yeah. But Wilson was their number one wide receiver. 
So it allows them to take Garrett Wilson. And then when, you know, the Jets are figured they're done with the first round, but here's Jermaine Johnson, who was, I think, their number two edge rusher. Um, he was, he was, they had him above, you know, Kayvon. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's kind of gives you the, the framework where they could not, not trade back into that round, especially, and that's where the assets come in. Let's flip a second round pick, number, number 35, whatever. Let's, let's get back in there with Tennessee and let's go get ourselves Jermaine Johnson and let these hungry wolves go hunt right now up front with, with what they're putting together for Robert Sala's defense. How surprised were you by Johnson's fall, Baldy? Because I was shocked. And then, you know, I'm calling people today, and, uh, you know, I talked to one team, and they said, well, we had character concerns. He wasn't on our board in the first round. I talked to another team and said, good player, but, you know, maybe attitude, not our cup of tea. Talked to another team. They said, um, you know, this guy said, look, I was banging the table for him a little bit, but other people in our organization felt like maybe he hadn't been the greatest teammate. They didn't love everything they were hearing about him as we were scouting him, just in terms of interrelation to other players or, you know, maybe a little bit of attitude. I don't know, Baldy. I mean, uh, he was a really productive player. He's got the ability to get to the quarterback. Yeah. And usually when there's stuff like that, we kind of find out about it you know, leading up to the draft, right? Yeah. The fact yeah, that, yeah. that nobody saw this coming, that, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world are sitting there no. at 26 saying, uh, this guy's a top 10 player in this draft for me. I don't get it. That That's unusual. Yeah. So I, I talked to Kirby Smart yesterday. Uh, obviously, he had five guys go in the first round, a new record. Um, but we were just, you know, and, you know, one of the things he was saying, you know, in sort of defense of Trayvon Walker and a couple other guys, was, you know, we ask our guys to do a lot of different things. And so, you know, Trayvon wasn't on the edge, rushing the passer on third downs. He was inside. And, you know, they and so what Jermaine Johnson did was he went to Georgia, of course, there for two years, and he's, he saw the system. And he's like, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to leave here. I'll go to Florida State where I can get on the edge where I belong. And let me go hunt the quarterback. And that's what he did. And when you watch him, um, you know, in that year, he, he had a great year. I mean, he had a good game against uh, Iki Iquanu at North Carolina State. He's got an array of pass rush moves. He's an advanced pass rush player. Like, he's, he knows how to use his hands. He can spin. He had the exact same measurables, basically, as Kayvon Thibodeau. Yep. Size, speed, 10-yard quickness, the whole thing. Like, they're basically clones. But he was a better player, and he didn't take as many plays off. So, uh, and I'm not – Dishing Kayvon, I think he's going to be a he yes. has a chance to be a great player. But we're talking about Jermaine Johnson here. Like I, really, I had those two guys neck and neck. Like I thought they were basically the same type player. Great first, first step quickness, really good pass rushers, uh, really good closing speed. I, mean, I thought they, you know, I I thought they were both top ten picks for sure. And no way either one of them would drop past ten. And so even when you know you got to. Uh, Philadelphia, I thought he would be in play in Philadelphia. I thought he'd be in play in Baltimore. Uh-huh. I thought he'd be in play, you know, uh, you know, all the way down. I, even with, uh, you know, Pittsburgh. I, I just thought he'd be in play. Baldy, New England. New England. New England. Yes. I thought he was, he'd be in play in all those places. Well, we will we will see where that journey leads. You mentioned the Eagles. I think the top ten again was was what at least I pretty much had mocked it to be. The run on corners, the run on offensive linemen, pass rushers, and receivers were hot. 
I thought um, at least two would go in the top ten. Now we get into the teens, and we talked a lot about Howie Roseman on this podcast leading up to the draft, and we know he's a mover shaker. He's got a load loaded for bear with draft picks. We know we love Jamison Williams. I had him moving up for Jamison Williams. He doesn't do that. He ends up trading uh, his mid-first-round pick and pick 101 for A.J. Brown. Baldy, I, I, I mean, look, I know they're going to have to pay A.J. Brown a, a ton of money. He's going to get $57 million the first two years of the deal, fully guaranteed. But they're not paying anybody on offense. That's an owner who's never shied away from paying people. The quarterback, you can't pay him. Even if he turns out to be who you think he is, you're probably not paying him or who you hope he is for two more years. I get it. There's other receivers in this draft who will be cheaper but I look at this compensation versus the Hollywood Brown compensation, which is basically what. So one is like eighteen and one hundred and one for AJ Brown. The other one's twenty three and a hundred for Hollywood Brown. I just think this is highway robbery for the Eagles. Well, what 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 this is what this is is a prime example, and I, I hate to bring this up, but it's just a fact here, Jason. They made a horrible decision two years ago in taking Jalen Rager. Yeah. And when you miss on a player that badly at a position of need in this business, then the the mess really never goes away. you got to eventually sweep it up. And I thought yesterday was closure on the mistake they made two years ago. Because let's face it, if they'd done the right thing and taken Justin Jefferson, this wouldn't even oh, be a yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not even a conversation. And there is no 57 guaranteed million going out the door. Now, I, I, I never begrudge any owner or whatever they want to do with their money is they could do with their money. So I don't, but you know, look, they, they needed a number one receiver and they have it. They want to try to evaluate this quarterback, Jalen hurts. He, everything's affordable when, you know, your quarterback is the 53rd pick in the draft two years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not, you don't have any money invested in the quarterback position. You can spread it around. You can pay Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox. I mean, you could do all these things, go get AJ Brown. So look, I, I, you know, I believe, Jason, that they traded up in front of Baltimore, and I thought they had a cluster of players yep. there. The way, you know, how he's smart. He's he's really smart when it comes to all this maneuvering and what's value, what isn't value. Uh, you could question Howie on some other things, but being able to work the draft board, he loves it. He lives for it. I thought they would have a cluster of players there at 13 when they traded in front of Baltimore. And I thought Jameson Williams would certainly be that guy. I mean, they just drafted him a guy from Alabama last year with a torn ACL that yeah. ended up starting for him in October, Landon Dickerson. And, you know, it looks like he's going to be the left guard for a long time. Like, I, don't, I, I think they were fine with the injury, yep. the recovery, and everything. But then here comes Detroit from 32, the back of the pack, all the way to 12 in front of the Eagles uh-huh. to take Jamison Williams. So that kind of said, maybe Detroit, you know, like, like, you know, they've got some guys in Detroit there that know Philadelphia really good. You know, and yep. so maybe they had some intel uh-huh. about what they might do. Deuce Staley is the assistant head coach in Detroit. He only spent 20 years in Philadelphia. <laughs> right. You know, he knows everybody in the building. So, you know, maybe they had some intel. I, I'm not breaking any news here. I don't know that. Um, but, you know, so, but look, if you look at the history, they take Jordan Davis. And I've got no problem with Jordan. I think he's a, I think he's like a brand new Tesla that you better have him fully charged. Right. You know, because his conditioning is a factor. 
And like all big guys, the you know who was that guy that the Ravens drafted from Alabama? Years Terrence ago? Cody. Terrence, yeah, Mount Cody. You're like that thing did not work out uh-uh. real good for the Ravens because some of these guys can just get too big, and that's my concern with Jordan Davis. I think Jordan Davis, the person, the player, like it fits with what the Eagles do. They took Brandon Graham with the 13th pick. They took Fletcher Cox with the 12th pick. They took Derek Barnett with the 14th pick. They signed Hassan Reddick this year in free agency, who was the 13th pick. I mean, this is their sweet spot for building their defensive line. And so Jordan Davis is there. I've got no problem with the pick. And, you know, they've got an eight-man rotation, so he's not going to be out there more than 35 plays. Right. I want to see what he looks like, though, Jason, in December, in January, in the NFL. Like, you know, I have to be convinced that he can be at 340 that he can give you 35 to 40 great snaps because he doesn't look like a good pass rusher to me. And if you're playing Brady or Allen or Mahomes and they're running all over the place, how soon do they get gassed out there? Yeah. um, It'll be, it'll be fascinating, but there's no doubt in my mind that the, that the Ravens, at least the league felt like the Ravens were taking Jordan Davis at 14, even with Kyle Hamilton still on the board. Uh, Obviously with Jordan Davis gone, uh, the Ravens go ahead and take the Notre Dame safety, even after having made their one big splash in free agency on a safety, Marcus Williams at the same, right around the same time, Baldy, uh, there's an announcement of, of their receiver trade, Hollywood Brown, who remember, the Ravens took ahead of every other receiver in that draft, including A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel and, and all those guys. I, I, I got to say, for a player who has limited size, who's had injury issues, who runs very hot and cold in terms of productivity, and who was never going to turn into Deshaun Jackson, I don't think, and that was the original comp when he was selected, I feel like the Ravens getting that return for Hollywood Brown, who's also seeking a new contract like all these other receivers, I think that's that's pretty damn good. I mean, they got essentially almost the same thing for Hollywood Brown that the Titans got for A.J. Brown, and I think you and I would both admit A.J. Brown's a far superior player in a lot of ways. Well, the Ravens, you know, even after they drafted Hollywood Brown, you know, they have drafted two receivers every year yep. for the last three years. Yep. I mean, Rashad Bateman, you just go through the list, you yeah. know, DuVernay, yep. You know, Wallace, we know, all the, you know, and so like something just isn't right. Now, Lamar can go out there and he can, you know, uh, you know, he can make his comments about losing Hollywood. But I can't find Hollywood Brown in this offense of the Ravens. Like, I can't find him like he outside of maybe the first game against the Dolphins as a, you know, as a rookie. Like, he really hasn't changed the game very often. And so I think it was a, it, you know, it probably makes Kyler really happy that he gets his former <laughs> Oklahoma teammate yeah. there, yeah. you know, in Arizona, and they could do some things in the desert with them that maybe they don't do in Baltimore the way that they're structured. So, like, I thought it was a great deal for Baltimore, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I did. I did as well. Um we then saw a run on offensive linemen. This is obviously your bread and butter. Uh, some of them, you know, we saw coming. I think 
Penning, we kind of knew was going to go in that area. Uh, obviously, Houston really liked Green. I, I don't think Green would have lasted, you know, m- past the early twenties either way. Um, Might have been the pick for for New England. Uh, Zion Johnson, okay, he went right around when people thought. But Baldy, yeah. the the Patriots did something that they are prone to do. They yeah. took a player who a lot of other teams would have had evaluated in a different part of the draft. Please tell us about Mister Strange, and is this a strange move for you in the first round? Well, I saw I saw what the Rams thought about it. Yeah, you know they, they had a, they had a pretty good chuckle, which I, I'm not in favor of. I'm a fan of doing any of that. They have they have done this stuff before. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, this is not like uh, it's out of left field for the Patriots. Like they, they, you know, one thing about Bill in New England, just knowing guys that have worked for him, like they evaluate the entire upcoming class in June every year. And then they follow up after the season with what they did, how they did. This strange, you know, he out of UNT uh, Chattanooga. Um, you know, I think most people probably had him somewhere around the third round, uh-huh. maybe the fourth round, you know. And so it, it's a surprise when a guy like that is kind of ha- hanging around and all of a sudden goes in the fourth round. I mean, people had him, like, around pick 100. Now, Daniel Jeremiah, he really liked him. He's kind of an old-school player. He just – he looks like a patriot. I just didn't know that you needed to spend – There? Do you need him there? On. Yeah. Now, I remember when the Cowboys did the same thing to Travis Frederick. Yeah. And everybody said third round was constant, short arms, all the stuff. You know, I, he went to four or five Pro Bowls. So, um, you know, uh, did they? This is, this is not out of left field for the Patriots. To everybody else, like, could you have gotten him in the second round? Probably. But they go after the guys that they like. So it was bizarre, though. It was bizarre to see him, you know, called so early. Last night, Cole Strange. It seems strange. What do you think of the Saints, uh, Baldy? I think a lot of people looked at um, them and their ties to Ohio State and Michael Thomas, where he is in terms of injuries and and availability the last few years, and at a point in his contract where you could move on from easily next year and say, okay, one of the Ohio State wide receivers makes a lot of sense. And then obviously, you know, they, they have not been shy about investing premium draft capital on their offensive line for years now, and then they also land – Penning, who was a mauler after your own heart, what do you feel like uh, about what they did last night? And uh, is that a team that I kind of, I mean, I I don't know that there's more than one or two teams in the NFC that I would favor over them right now? Well, I I mean, this is, you know, it's clear that this is not a rebuilding mode. You you trade up from 16 to 11 in this wide receiver and the run was right there. And they went out and got maybe the best pure route runner in the draft. I mean, Alave is is a great route runner. So, um, you know, he's pretty polished when it comes to it. No problem moving up there. And then Trevor Penning, look, I mean, you lose uh, your left tackle. You better replace your left tackle. And so, uh, you know, they have been rebuilding this offensive line over the last three years. And so it just – it kind of just continues right now. It was a big position of need. But they have built their line through the draft as well as anybody. I mean, my, you know, Ryan Ramchek, you know, and what he has done. Eric McCoy, three years ago, Cesar Ruiz, who's a local kid yep. here. Um, you know, and they, they had a 
replace a really, really good player in Teron Armstead. Um, but he'd been he'd missed games with injuries over the last few years. So they're getting a mauler at left tackle. And he'll play next to, you know, to Pete. And they'll have a big, powerful left side to their offensive line. Um, you know, they'll Alvin Kamara will still be able to run the ball. Like, you know, if they get, they get the quarterback back right now. Mm-hmm. Like, they've already beaten Tampa yep. four straight times in the regular season um, against Tom Brady. So... Um, I, I think New Orleans did well. I think they addressed two real big areas of need. I remember being in training camp last year where they were trying to, you know, evaluate Jamison and, you know, the quarterback position and all that stuff. And you're like, well, how do you evaluate these? Like, who's he throwing to? Right. You know, I mean, you're throwing to a bunch of free agents out there. And that's how they played. Um, Lil Jordan Humphrey and the guys that they had, like they needed, you know, especially with Michael Thomas out throughout training camp. So, you know, it, it was time for them to restock it. One pick later, at 20, we get the lone quarterback yeah. taken in the first round. The Pittsburgh kid stays in Pittsburgh, goes from University of Pittsburgh to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Colbert's final draft as the general manager of the Steelers, looking for someone to take the mantle from Ben Roethlisberger and hold down the quarterback position they hope for years to come. I wasn't convinced through most of this process that all the quarterbacks would be on the board at 20. Well, guess what? They were. The Steelers took the most polished, the most pro-ready, and uh, they seem pretty excited about it. I don't know that you can hold this young man to a Ben Roethlisberger standard. I don't think that's fair. Um, but it's certainly uh, – it, it kind of felt serendipitous that this is how the board went. Well, I think most people had Pittsburgh taking a quarterback when you lose Ben Roethlisberger after you know, 16, 17 years. You got to replace him. Uh, I, I I like Kenny Pickett. I know that his hand size is smaller than you would like, and maybe that led to a lot of turnovers early in his career. But he really, you know, he stayed last year, and he had a career year. ACC Player of the Year, win the ACC. Started forty nine games, Jason. You know, there's nothing. He's played in bad weather. He's played. I can't find a single NFL player on his offense at Pitt. Like nobody. And like right. that's who he was playing with, and they won the ACC. So, um, you know, I, I give the guy a lot of credit, man. I, he bet on himself. Uh, he stays, probably keeps the same locker right there, you know, at the facility. And it didn't surprise me. I, I think people thought maybe him or Malik Willis, but I felt like you can let Kenny Pickett, if they choose to, go compete right now with Mitch Trubisky. Right. You know, and so, like, everybody kind of thought that he was more – more pro ready right now, which he was, than anybody else in this draft, and and it showed. I think Pittsburgh, you know, if you listen to what all the analysts are saying out there, nobody did more work on these quarterbacks than the Steelers, and so we'll see. You know, and maybe Kevin Colbert leaves the Steelers for the next decade in good hands, uh, small hands, but good <laughs> hands with Kenny Pickett. So we'll see. You know, uh, but it didn't surprise me that one guy. I thought maybe somebody might come in. At the end of the second, uh, the bottom of the first yeah. round, yeah, you know, for that fifth year, maybe. But that's kind of what we saw, though. Jason was not a mirage with the quarterback carousel that spun this offseason. It was an advance of the quarterback class. Like, let's go get a re- 
let's go get 38-year-old Matt Ryan yeah. versus anybody in this draft. Yep. Let's go get Carson Wentz, who might be a retread at this sure. stage. Let's go get him and put him in. That's kind of where, you know, Baker's going to get moved eventually. You know, maybe yes. it's Carolina, you know, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these guys, Desmond Ritter, uh, Pickett, uh, Matt Corral, you know, Seattle, you know, all the teams that are a little bit quarterback needy right now. You know, they'll all have their pick with second or third round guys right now to choose from. It is pretty interesting, Baldy. So we're at pick 20. The final 12 picks, I know some people were saying that run on receivers was going to continue. I didn't see it. I thought at the end of the first round, in my mock, I had teams leading into uh, coverage, right? Coverage linebacker, off-ball linebackers, corners, safeties, leading into whatever pass rush was still there, and then leading into offensive line. And that's what it was, Baldy. The final 12 picks of the round, nine on defense. The only three that weren't defense were offensive linemen. Uh, no skill guys, no running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends taken after Pickett. Um, just sort of your thoughts on the on the back end of that uh, of that first round. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people thought you know if Buffalo stayed there twenty six that Brees Hall, you know, was a running back worthy of a first round pick. You just look at the league right now, Jason. You look at the guys that are taken in the second round or third rounds that are starting for teams in the league at the running back position. That's where these guys go. That's the sweet spot. You'll see them today. Yep. You'll, you'll see Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker yep. and Isaiah Spiller. They're all going to go today. But, you know, that's that's what happened to Nick Chubb and, you know, anybody that Baltimore usually takes. Uh, you know, that's kind of where they're at. And if you said, you know, okay, if you just look at Buffalo, obviously they trade, you know, with Baltimore. But, you know, they end up, you know, getting themselves a corner. Um and that's what they needed. They needed a corner. They needed a corner more than they needed a running oh, back. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I happen to like Motor Singletary. Um, you know, he averages just under five yards of carry. Josh Allen's always going to carry it a lot. Like, they're a throwing team. Yep. Like, I, you know, is is Brees Hall going to be that much better than Devin Singletary? Like, I don't – you know, they're never going to be just a one-back team. So, I don't know. I, I thought the corner made a lot of sense. I couldn't really make a case for a lot of other teams to go get a running back right yep. there. So that's that's where they fall. The wide receivers, you know, Sky Moore, like you look at these guys, they 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 all looked a little bit limited to me. Uh-huh. They didn't look like they were going to change the game. Pickens is coming back from an injury. Mechie's coming back from an injury. Um, you know, Austin at Memphis is a gadget player. I mean, you just go through Christian Watson, you know, played at a level where you go, is he really right. going to go? Right, big you know, jump. He, beat Jalen Ramsey out there. Like, it's a big jump. So, I, I, I'm with you. I, I felt like, you know, I, I felt like these teams, you know, they, they 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 stayed with the strength of the draft. And that's what you should do. Green Like Green Bay. You know, everybody's clamoring for Green Bay to take wide receivers. But I listened to Brian Gutekinds this week, Jason. Yeah. And he said, with receivers, you got to be patient, which you do. He said, we're not going to force it just to get a guy in the lineup here. And what they do, they're a really good team, a very good organization with a great quarterback. Like, they found Aaron Jones in the third round. They built their offensive line every year. They find tight ends that nobody seems to be able to find, Robert Tanya. Yeah. Like, their defense is stacked with first-round picks. Stacked. And they got two more yesterday. So, like, they're going to keep the score down. They're probably going to get extra bats for Aaron Rodgers. And today – 
with two picks in the second round like they usually do. They'll go get themselves Alec Pierce. Right, or, you know, right. They'll go get themselves a receiver today. Well, Baldy, as we head into the second day of the draft, rounds two and three, all quarterbacks except for one on the board. Um, you talked a little about running backs and wide receivers there. Anything you're particularly excited to see tonight? Where does a Malik Willis land? Are there more veteran players traded for draft picks? Baker Mayfield, perhaps. Um, what 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 are you focused on? Well, okay. There's there, there's a couple things. One, okay. Where does Malik Willis go? You know, yeah. does uh, yeah? I mean, you you could you could Seattle, Atlanta, yeah, New Seattle, Orleans, Seattle at forty. Seattle forty makes a lot of sense. Okay. But I think you're going to see, you know, Nicobe Dean is just sitting there to be taken. I mean, the guy is just a – he's a Hoover vacuum cleaner just making tackles. Uh, he's just got a nose for the ball. So I think there's there, there's a couple linebackers, Chad Muma, Christian Harris. There's some linebackers. I think you're going to see an early run of these corners, Jason. Yeah. Andre Booth. Kyler Gordon. Gordon. McCreary. I think you're going to see an early run on corners um, at the top of the second round right now. Um, you know, there's – and, and there's still some edge rushers. I mean, David Ajabo, you know, Boye Mafe, Josh uh, Pascal. Yeah, I mean, I think – so I think, you know, more corners, you know, more edge rushers, okay, are, you know, and a couple of these linebackers, I think you're going to see their names all being called here. Well, Baldy, I uh, hope you have a, a great seat to take it all in out there in Vegas and that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. I know, um, look, this thing, I know last night was seems long and it's crazy, but this thing's only just begun. So there will be a lot more yeah. twisted turns between yes. now and Saturday. We will reconvene at this same time on Monday for a wrap-up edition of the Odyssey 2022 draft special. And then you and I will be back throughout the offseason, continuing our dialogue and breaking things down on Baldy's Breakdowns. Please um, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you um, get your podcast goodness. We appreciate you guys uh, listening to us yap here about the draft, and we can't wait to break it all down and review our winners and losers uh, when we get uh, back with you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the draft, and talk to you soon.